Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. We're in a series right now called Fresh Start. And what this sphere is, uh, is really about, it's, it's realizing that so much of life is about starting over, isn't it? I mean, we start in different, uh, in, you know, in, in different seasons of life. You go from graduation, you do midlife thing, you do, the, you, know, you do retirement. There's things where you go have different jobs that we go through in, in life. There's times where we live in different places through, uh, throughout life. And, and you really look at it, every year is a, is a new beginning, isn't it? Every year is a new time where we go, I want to be better this year. I want things to go better with me this year than they did last year. We go through different relationships in our life, and every day, really, when you think about it, is a brand new beginning that God has for us that, that hopefully this day is going to be better than the, than the last days. And so all of life is about new beginnings. Here's the million-dollar question, though. Is, or there, is there a way that we can make the next time better than the last time? How can we have a fresh start in between here? And we, last week we took a look at some myths that we have, and, 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 and one of the myths that we have is the experience myth that we said. And that's the, the myth that says, simply by going through an experience, I'm going to gain wisdom from it. Simply by, by experiencing that, I'm going to gain wisdom. And we know that's not true. We can go through an experience and be no better on this side than we were on, on this side. Now, examined experience, that's what makes the difference. When we go, okay, God, what did I learn from this time? What did I learn? What, God, what do you want to teach me? What, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? What, how could I live different? How could, how could this time be better than this time? What could I do? That's examined experience not just going through it. And the other myth that we said is the enlightenment uh, myth. And that's saying that, that simply because I know the right thing to do now or I know what not to do now, then I'm automatically going to do it. And we realize that's not true either, is it? Because let's take something very simple like exercise. That we may know that's what we need to do, but that doesn't mean we're any better off if we don't do it, right? I mean, a person who knows they ought to exercise and they don't exercise is no better than the person that doesn't even care about, exer- about exercise. We have to put life in. We have to put feet in. We have to do what we know we should do or what we shouldn't do. That's how we gain that this side is going to be better than this side. The third thing that we said is the myth is that the time is my enemy. Uh, myth that, oh, man, I got to do things now because the opportunities are passing by and I'm not getting any younger and all that. But in reality, time is your friend because that in-between time between here and here is really important to God. No matter how much that is, whether it's, whether it's days, whether it's years, this time in between, God wants to do something. God wants to develop our character. God wants to develop uh, us so that we're going to be more prepared for a better next time. Right? And so we're going to take a look to, uh, today about something kind of, kind of neat. We're going to go on and say, what else? What are some other things that we can do to make the, last, the next time better than the, better than the last time? And because one thing about that is God will never miss, he will never lose or miss an experience. He will never waste an experience in your life. He will never miss an, or waste a heartache, uh, anything that's, you know, that's you've gone through. He is going to use those as stepping stones for the new beginning. 
But for this new thing, we've got to go all the way back to the third chapter of the Bible. And here's the background. You have Adam and Eve who blew it. I mean, they flat out blew it. Most of us, even if you didn't grow up in church, you know this story, that they blew it, had an opportunity to do the right thing. They didn't. They chose to rebel against God. And, and we're going to take a look at it from that moment on, where, where Satan has already tempted them. And watch what happens. When, uh, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, as he, Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they, what's that next word? Hid. From the, from the Lord God among the trees of the, and among the trees in the garden. And I mean, so, so here's the thing. They both blew it. Uh, and I mean, they're totally messed up. And what do they try to do? They try to hide. And here's the thing. Who do they try to hide from? Right? They try to hide from God. How well does that work? You know, uh, probably you and I have both tried to hide from God in different things in different ways. It doesn't work, does it? I mean, it is really hard to hide from somebody who kn- is everywhere and knows everything, right? And, it, and it's kind of like that l- a little girl that I saw the other day on, on a, a video. And it had this little girl was trying to, was playing hide-and-go-seek from her and mom and dad. And she hid. She had this big red coat on. And she tried to hide behind a little sapling that was about as wide as this. So here's what you saw as she's trying to hide, right? I mean, you see everything about her. And her mom and dad, or you can hear them snickering in the, in the video of just how ridiculous it looks that she's trying to hide behind something that one, you know, one-thirtieth her, her width, Right? And so I wonder if that's how we appear to God when we try to hide whatever it is, when we try to hide that one thing behind our back, when we try to hide really who we are, when we try to hide whatever it is, and we do that, our natural tendency is to try to hide, and, and we, we love to go into to, to hiding. But sometimes, you know, it's, we're, we hide in plain sight, just like that little girl or just like Adam and, and Eve. So, he, so God asks Adam a question. And this is the very first question we are ever asked as a, as a race, right? This is the very first question that God ever asks a human being. Now, watch, watch how powerful this question is. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? What a, what a question that he has to ask us, the very first question. And is he asking that question because he doesn't know? Because he's kind of going like the little kid playing hide-and-go-seek and everybody's hiding and he can't find anybody. Come on out, you guys. I can't find you. Where are you? Is that the way he's, he's asking that question? I don't think so at all. I think he's asking the question of going, all right, the gig's up. Where are you? You know, what are you thinking? So that he realizes, that Adam and Eve realize that they are hiding, not so God can figure out where they are, because remember, God knows everything. And he, Adam, answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I, there's the word again, so I, I hid. Have you ever discovered you were naked, you know? And I don't mean naked, you know, running around like that. I mean, I mean naked, where you just realize that you're busted. That, and that may be something that you, you just have, feel the conviction, and you go, you know what? I'm coming clean. Or it may be that you're caught. Whatever it is in there, every one of us knows the feeling, that horrible feeling of going, uh-oh, the gig's up. And maybe you feel like these dogs up here. Oops, not that dog, the other dog. <laughs> Feel like that? Zero days since the last toilet paper massacre. All right, the next one. 
And that says two words, green marker. Can you see the green on his face? And look at that look. I love that. One thing I love about dogs is you can tell exactly how they're feeling, right? You can tell when they're guilty the moment you, you look at them. But we all know that feeling. We've all had green markers on. We've all had, you know, the toilet paper all around us that we've made the, that we've made the, the mess of. And here um, God asked Adam another question. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Again, God's not asking the question for, for information. It's like the parent with the kid who has crumbs, you know, coming down here and has the crumbs on there, on there and chocolate on their hands. And have you been in the cookie jar? You know, you don't have to. They're not asking the question because mom doesn't know if they've been in the cookie jar or not. That's the question because to realize that the kid goes, okay, the gig's up. Mom and dad know what you've been up to. We know, we know that. And don't miss this part. Um, and there's, there's people here who, who need to hear this. And there's somebody, uh, people on, online, there's people in this room that you need to hear this, this part. And that's this, that Adam and Eve, they blew it. And I don't mean they just blew it. They blew, this was the mother of all blowing it, right? This was the big daddy epic blowing of all time. And yet, what do we see God doing? In fact, they blew it so much in their time that, that it still affects us in our time. What is God doing? God's looking for them. And I love this story. I love the story about the, the prodigal son. And, and a lot of us know the story. Even if, again, if you didn't r- grow up in church, you may know this story. And it's a story about a guy who, a, a Jewish boy who, uh, or a young man, who he asked his dad if he could have the inherit- his inheritance ahead of time. And you know what that's really saying? What that's like is saying, Dad, you know what? I really like your money more than I like you because I'm going to split with your money and things. And, and really, Dad, I wish you were dead because that way I could get your money. And, and so he, his dad graciously gives him his part of the inheritance ahead of time. And you know what he does with it? He totally squanders it, totally wastes it on, on, on prostitutes and wild living, the, the, older, the, older one sa- the older brother says. I mean, he must have just totally wasted his, the money, totally wasted his life, and he finds himself about as low as a Jewish young man could find himself, and that's working with pigs, right? And, and he's so down, he is so down that he looks at the pig slop and he goes, man, I wish I had some of that. That is looking so good to me. And then the Bible says this, when he came to his senses, and maybe today is a day that some people here are coming to their senses and just going, you know what? Life with God is better than life away from God. And maybe you come to a point that I did in my life going, you know what? Life has got to be more than what I'm experiencing life right now. Life has got to be more than that. And maybe God's calling right now, and maybe there's something you're hiding, and maybe just today you're coming to your senses, whatever that is. But here's the thing. He, ran, he went to his father. He didn't even know how his father would respond to him and everything, but here's the thing I love. His father was already looking for him. His dad was looking out, and he ran to his son. He ran to his son, the very son that turned his back on him, the very son that basically said, I wish you were dead, the very son that, that, that trashed his good name, the very son that had completely wasted his life and ruined his, his life. That's the son he ran to. And he said, and he put a, a ring on his finger, and he put robes on his, robes on his back and said, and said, welcome, welcome home. And maybe today God's just saying, you wanted to come home, and God's saying, you know, welcome home, my precious son, my precious daughter. He's not there so he can put you over his knee. He's there so he can put a robe on your, on your back and a ring on your, on your finger. But I love that part of it. I just really felt I was supposed to, to say that to somebody or some people. 
And, and, and the great thing is, is God's looking for you. Wherever we are, God's looking for, for us. And so Adam is totally busted, right? Adam gets busted. God's saying the gig's up. And watch how Adam responds. Go ahead and throw that up there. Yes, I completely disobeyed the one command you gave me. I had a choice to obey or disobey you, and I chose to disobey. I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but leave Ave out of it. She may have offered me the fruit, but I chose to take it of my own free will. Punish me, but don't touch her. Is that how he responded? That's how he could have responded. That's how he should have responded. But he didn't respond that way. Here's how he said it. The man said, the woman... You gave me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Adam throws two people under the bus, right? Who does he throw under the bus first? He throws Eve under the bus first. And then he throws who? This is really wild. Who does he throw under the bus? He throws God under the, uh, under the bus. And here's basically what he's saying. He's saying, all right. Here's how it went down. Let's talk about how it really went down. Here's what it is. I'm just walking through the garden, minding my own business, when this lady comes up to me, and she starts thrusting this fruit in my face and basically forces me to take it. And oh, by the way, where did she come from, right? I mean, I'm sitting here just minding my own business one day, and you tranquilize me or whatever you did to me, and suddenly I'm, I got this hole in my side, I got a rib missing, and, and now suddenly there she is. And so, so here's what we're doing. You guys, obviously this is not my fault, and you guys go and have a powwow. You guys talk about how you want to apologize to me, because I'm obviously the victim here, and I've done nothing wrong, and you guys, you guys have done everything wrong. And, and so if you apologize to me correctly, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be magnanimous in my heart, and if you do it with enough emotion, then maybe I'll forgive you. But here's the big thing. It's not my fault, right? And so here's, the, so here's that. So here's Eve. Now, how does she respond to this? I mean, she's been, just been thrown under the bus. She's just been seeing this blame fest over here. Obviously, certainly she's going to act better, right? And here's what she, she does. Adam's right. I was the one who blew it. Then I offered, you know, I blew it, and then I offered the fruit to, to him and everything. And if, it's all my doing. If, he hadn't, if I hadn't done that with him, he'd have been, not been in this mess and everything. And I'm the one to blame. It's not Adam's responsibility. It's mine, and I take full responsibility for my actions. Is that what she said? No. Okay, here's it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Eve's done just what Adam's done. Everybody's pointing. Everybody's guilty, but everybody's pointing to, to somebody else. You know, kind of weird thing is the, the one person that's not, or the one thing that's not pointing to anybody else is the serpent, right? I mean, that's the only one not doing it. And he's not pointing fingers, maybe because he doesn't have any fingers to point, right, than anything. But he's not the one pointing. Everybody else is laying, laying blame to everything else. Here's really important. We are just like our ancestors. We are just like them. We blame everybody else except for taking a look at ourselves. And here's the thing. I want you to hear this. We can blame ourselves into our future, but we can't blame ourselves into a better future, Right? And here's the other thing, too. When, what blame does is it makes it so the next time is going to look a whole lot like the, the last time, uh, if, we, if that's all what we claim to, play, to do is just take that. And here's something that's, that you, you think about this. Everything Adam and Eve, each one of them said, was absolutely true, right? I mean, what Adam said was, was true, that, that Eve was the one that, that offered that to him, and God's the one that gave him Eve. What he said was completely the truth. And what she said was completely the truth. The serpent did deceive her. 
So they said the right thing. They told, they told the truth. They told the story, the truth in the story, but they didn't tell the whole story, did they? They didn't tell their part of the story. And we know that. We see that all the time in, in, in news. Whatever news you watch, I mean, they tell their part of the story, right? And we saw that. How many times have we seen that even recently, that you, you see this little bite and you see this thing and you go, we rush to judgment and go, oh, man, wow, wow, look at that. And then all of a sudden, it shows the other side and it shows some other things. You go, wow, what they were trying to pull, pull on us is completely different than the real story, right? And then you look at how about how, how it's done to you. It's been done to you, it's been done to me, where people tell a story about us in order to make us look bad, and they tell the story. And it could be very true. What they sto- the part of the story they tell, it may be true, but it's not the whole story, is it? And we're going, you know what? They said the truth, but, but this is that story. But if you knew this part of the story and this part of the story, you'd have a completely different reaction to that. They haven't told you the whole story. And the same thing, we do the same thing. We tell our part of the story and we don't tell the whole story because it makes us look good and may, or it makes the other person look bad. But here's the thing. Maybe this is the whole story, okay? This is all the story right here. But this is the sto- part of the story that we didn't tell. We told this part of the story. This is the part of the story that we, we didn't tell. This is the important part of the story. This is the important part because it's what we do with this that will either make or break how we go into the next part of our, of our life. It's what we do with this part of the story that we don't do because we have a choice to do one of two things. We can either go, we can either say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm owning my part. I'm owning my part of the story, the story that I don't want anybody else to know. I'm owning my part of the story, the part that I have to get real with. I'm owning this. And I'm coming real, so I want to have a better next time. Or we can do something else. We can take our part of the story and that part, and we can put it in our pocket, and we can go into the next part of our life, and we're carrying this in there. And you know what? Maybe nobody even knows that we've done that. Maybe we absolutely get by with it. Here's the thing. You and I know what smuggling is all about. We know what smuggling is. Smuggling is when you take something into a country that you're, you're sneaking in there, or you take something into whatever, and, and, it's, and, and you're, try, you're hoping to get by with it. You're hoping that nobody else sees what you're, what you're doing. I remember one of my closest friends in high school, his name was Brad, and he and he used to smuggle Bibles into communist Russia. He's risking his, man, he's, if not his life, he's risking a whole lot of jail time by doing that. But it was worth it to him because he believed that the Word of God, getting the Word of God into people's hands was worth whatever risk he was taking. I was a man who was smuggling something good into there. I remember one time my friends and I, this is years ago when I was in high school, and we smuggled a six-pack of Dr. Pepper into a movie theater. And I still remember the movie. This is how vivid that was. It was the, the, the old Pink Panthers, you know, with, with, with Peter Selleck. Peter Sellers, thank you. And, he, and so we're in there, and all of a sudden there was this one part of the movie that was completely silent. We'd all passed, we'd passed out the Dr. Pepper and everything. And if we had planned this, we couldn't have done better if we planned it all day. Because here's what you hear. Suddenly, silent part of the movie. Right? And so 30 seconds was Bedlam in the movie. Hey, pass me one. Hey, throw one back here. They thought we had something besides Dr. Pepper, right? And so we're there. But we were smuggling something good into that theater too. But here's the thing. We never, ever, this is never something good that we smuggle into, into our future. I want you to, you know, imagine it more of like a radioactive isotope, right? This is something radioactive. And it may be big, 
And it may be something really small that we're doing, just our little thing and our part of the story and our, our, our part of, the, uh, of that. But if we're trying to sneak, sneak these in and put these in, remember what we're doing. First, whatever poisoned over here, even our part of the poison, it may not even be a big part of the poison, whatever we did over here to poison, we are taking it into our next relationship, our next job, our next whatever, our part of the poison over there. And so what we need to do is we need to realize, first of all, what this does to other, you know, what this has done to other people and what this has done in there. But we also go, we may sneak it in, we may sneak it in perfectly into the next whatever it is that we do, but we're the one that's going to hurt. Not only are other people going to be hurting, it's hurting ourselves when we smuggle in this. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this part? That's what's so important for whether the next time is going to be better than the, than the last time. And... I thought blame does, does two things. It, it poisons our future, but the other thing it does is it clouds our vision. And I was preparing this message. I did something. I have, uh, I have reading glasses. I don't know if you, you know that, but I don't know about you, but one day, like, I went to bed, and everything was clear, and I woke up the next day, and, like, everybody changed the font of everything in the world, right? Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about there? And so, so I'm wearing these, and I have them on my head like this, and then I put them down, and I realize I got some product in my hair, and I, can, I can't see jack out of these things, right? There's just this smear. If I'd have taken Vaseline and put it over there. So I'm trying to read now. I'm trying to read the computer. I can't see anything back there. And what I realize I have to do is, is realize that that is like what blame does, isn't it? Blame kind of clouds our, our judgment. It clouds our future. It clouds our decision-making in the, in the future. And it's going to happen until we, take, until we take whatever it is and we wash those off and we clear it up. Then we can see enough to do, make good decisions and go on with, uh, with our life. So here's the big question. How do we do that? How do we, how do we clear up the, the lens? And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you sometime, I'm giving you a homework assignment. And I want you to go home and I want you to draw a circle. So here, go ahead and do the circle. And this, this represents blame, okay? That's the 100% of the blame for whatever it is that happened back here that didn't work, that, that didn't work out. Now, some people, like the person that I, that I talked to yesterday, this person said, what, what happened was 100% my fault. It was 100% my decisions and what was 100% my actions. I am responsible for, how I, for what's happened to me and where I'm living right now. But then maybe there's some other things. Maybe you go, go ahead and throw the next one up. And maybe you're going, okay, 95% of this was my fault. There's a portion that wasn't my fault. There was a portion that somebody else has to, has to own in this. And maybe go ahead and do the other. And maybe it's 50-50, right? Maybe you're going, you know what? I have responsibility. The other person has responsibility. The other people, the other group, the other whatever that is. It was both of our faults. When I really take a look at this honestly, it was both of our faults. And maybe you go, go ahead and throw this. And maybe you can honestly say, as you look at this in, in your heart and you go, you know what? 95% of it, I'm going to say, is the other person's or the other group's fault. They were jerks. They were idiots. They were really mean. That was a terrible thing that they, that they did. I'll own 5%, but the other part, I can't own, own that. Now, sometimes I want to say this too. I really thought I'm supposed to say this, is sometimes it is 100% somebody else's fault. It really is. Sometimes it is. If you were abused as a child... It was 100% the other person's fault, okay? And maybe Satan has whispered in your ear and saying, you know what, you had to be part of that to blame. Some of that had to be you. And no, it didn't. If you got abused as a child, you were, that was 100% somebody else's responsibility. Don't own any of, uh, of that. 
But here's the other thing that, here's the, go ahead and throw that back up there. It's this 5% right here, whatever it is. Maybe it's 95%, maybe it's 50%, whatever it is. But what that part is, that's what we have to, to deal with. And, and maybe it's this. Maybe you go, you know what? People told me what was happening. I mean, people that I love, they care about, they warned me about that, that taking that job, they warned me about that investment, they warned me about that person, they warned me about whatever it is, they warned me, they saw me, but I had already made up my mind, I had already decided what I was going to do, and I wasn't ready to listen, I wasn't willing to listen to what they had to say, and that is my responsibility up there. And maybe it's something like this. Maybe you had this feeling inside and you just knew something wasn't right with that investment. You knew something wasn't right with that job. You knew something right. You never checked behind the curtain. You never did the investigation. You never, under, you never figured out why they've gone from, from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. You never checked it out because you were in love, because you were f- fixed on that, on that investment. Whatever it is, that, that you never checked behind the curtain you know, and you go, you know what, that's my responsibility. That's my part. Or maybe you do this. Maybe you say you know what? I was emotionally distant. And I wasn't there the times when, they needed to, when, when I needed to be there. Or I had an anger problem. I had a, I, 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 my tongue would lash out and do things, and I own that. That's my responsibility for, for, what happened, for what happened there. Or maybe just, you know, just, and here's some of the things. I just want to say, here's, here's maybe some of the, the, the radioactive isotope. It's this. It's saying, you know, irresponsible spending. Maybe that's your part. Bad, spend, bad financial decisions. This is what you're bringing in. Dysfunction. Maybe your addictions that nobody knows about except for you or the bad habits that you bring into to there. Maybe it's your anger or your control issues or unforgiveness or temper or a destructive mouth or poor relationship skills. Maybe the reason is you go from job to job is you have poor relational skills or maybe bad conflict resolution or emotional walls that you put up. Maybe it's your daddy issues. Maybe it's your mommy issues, whatever it is. But there's those things that, that, we, that we deal with there. What are the skills to blame? And, I, you know, I, and maybe it's saying this. You know, I kept saying to myself, I could handle this. I can handle this. I got this under control. But then I realized that I didn't control it. It controlled me. That's my responsibility. That's my part in there. Whatever it is, we have to figure out what our responsibility is, what part, and we have to deal with that. And here's something. Go ahead and throw that up there again. This is really important. Here's a fact. The last one. Here's this. Whatever the bigger this is, the harder it is for us to admit here, right? The harder it is for us to... Another thing, the more traumatic this is, the more emotional this is, the harder it is for us to see our part. And we really even wonder, okay, what does it matter, our part, if all this is so significant? What matters is what we're taking into the next, uh, the next whatever that we have. And here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, said this. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you know what he's saying? He's saying there's a, di- there's a connection between purity and clarity. There's a, di- there's a connection there. And the more we deal with our junk, the more we deal with that, whether it's 95% uh, you know, or, or 5%, whatever it is, the more we are real with that and go, you know what? I did this. I did that. This is what I could have done different. This is how. The more we deal with that, the more we are able to see clearer to go into our, next, uh, to our, our future. You know, David was, um, was a guy who, who time after time... He admitted his, his junk. And he said, you know, sometimes there was times where he said, 100%, it's me. And we're going to read one of those, those times. And that's in, uh, in uh, Psalm 51. After he had committed sin with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet comes up to him and he busts him. He said, buddy, you were the one. You, and he gives him this parable, genius parable, and he said, you're the one that, that, that was responsible here. And listen to how he did this. Listen to his response. 
It said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Talk about just, you know, he's, gonna, he's admitting his part. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you, de- you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the innermost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let, uh, let, the, uh, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my, uh, my iniquity. Create in me a clean, clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And uh, and, uh, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and and sustain, give me a willing uh, spirit to sustain me. And your part may be huge like David's. It may be small. But here's a warning that I'm going to give you. That no matter whether that's 5% or 100%, whatever it is, it's embarrassing to admit our part. It's hard. It's, um, It's humiliating to admit our part. I'll tell you something else. I'm giving you another warning. It takes away a large part of our story when we admit our part. We can't get the story. It's not, the story isn't as, as spectacular when we, when we admit our part. But here's the thing, too. The, the, we get freedom from our past. And we can go into the, the, next, the next thing. There's a, a peace that we have. And suddenly the anger isn't as bad. The hurt isn't as bad as we admit, uh, as we admit our, our, our part. And, uh, and we, it keeps us from taking that radioactive isotope from this to the other, and it makes it where our, listen to this, it makes it where our fresh start can truly be fresh instead of just doing a new thing with the same old problems. Amen? And if we could bow our head and close our eyes. And maybe you're here today, and when I talked about the prodigal son or prodigal daughter, that was you. And you're saying, you know what, I've been hiding, I've been running on my own, and maybe you're like somebody said, even this, this week is... Uh, we were baptizing and just saying, um, it's, time to, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. And maybe it's time to come home. Maybe it's time to stop hiding that one thing that you've been hiding in the closet thinking God didn't know about it or you've been hiding it from other people. But here's the thing. You may get by with it and maybe nobody knows, but it's hurting you. You're the one that's hurting. And it's hurting your relationship with God and others. And so maybe that's you today and you just want to say, God, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. That thing, or maybe even my whole life, my whole body, I'm coming, I'm coming to you. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, and I know you're there with open arms and not with accusing finger. And God, I want that robe and I want that, that ring. I don't want to live the way I've been living anymore. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never surrendered your life. And today is your day. And all it takes is saying, God, forgive me my sins. He says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that we receive him as our Lord and Savior. He says if we, to those who receive him, to those he gives the right to become children of God. And if that's you, so I want to pray with us. Everyone here, if you, if you can pray this prayer sincerely from your, your heart out loud and everybody else, if you can just go along with these people and pray the prayer as well. Dear Jesus, 
I know I'm a sinner. But I know you died on the cross for me. I want a new beginning. I want a fresh start. I give you the junk. And I receive everything good you have for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to live the life you told me to live. Thank you for hearing my prayer and setting me free. Amen. And if that's you, with every head bowed still, uh, let us know about that. Let us know about this so we can celebrate with you and we can give you some stuff. And there's going to be people in the back and in the front that would love to hear that or in the information book. And here's for the rest of us too. God, help us to acknowledge what we've done so that we can have a new beginning and we can have a true fresh start and so that the pain doesn't go with us. But God, we acknowledge that we've blown it and just about everything we've done that there is our part. And so God, we, we confess it. It may be little, it may be big, but we confess it. And God, what we ask is that we don't take that into the next whatever, the next relationship, the next job, the next opportunity the next whatever it is. So God, set us free. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroach Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroach Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.